0: August 10th, August 10th, 2016, I'm sitting here with Thomas Grill. My name is Brian Parks. We're going to have a layman's conversation about our first impressions of chapter 5 of the Tao Te Ching and uh, Hendricks translation from 1989. Let me just read chapter 5 very quickly. Heaven and earth are not humane. They regard... They, Heaven and earth are not humane. They regard the 10,000 things as straw dogs. The sage is not humane. He regards the common people as straw dogs. The space between heaven and earth, is it not like a bellow? It is empty and yet not depleted. Move it and more always comes out. Much learning Means frequent exhaustions. That's not so good as holding on to the mean. Probably should have said that last part differently. That's not so good as holding on to the mean. I put a comma in there that wasn't there. Right. I thought you were just pausing in the reading because you ran out of thematic. breath. Yeah. Well, that too. <sighs> Short. Terse. Short and yeah, kind of intense really. It is. It's very obtuse to me.
1: Yeah, it is. You know, and Okay,
0: that's this week's discussion. Yeah, so so, well I'm trying to look at the other (laughs) translations and they Yeah, they all use the phrase straw dogs. Yeah, and I actually did a little research. Okay. For our
1: conversation today, just look at Mr. Doctor Wikipedia, and Doctor yeah. Wikipedia says that straw dogs were used in Chinese ceremonies and then thrown out afterwards. So they're some type of like dog made out of straw, a three-dimensional thing, and then, yeah. uh, but they, you know, they didn't have any other use except to look pretty during the ceremony, and then they were basically tossed aside. So I wonder if they you
0: know, they they stood in place for something. That part I didn't. Doctor Wikipedia didn't. Yeah. Really. Or, or they're just. Or they're just decorations and not really anything to be considered.
1: Right. There could be another layer to it there, but I'm, I was taking it at more kind of a face value of something that looks pretty and might serve a purpose, but then you just toss it out. So, you know. Yeah. It, it's kind of like you. You seem to care about it. But in the long run, you really don't. Right. Right. But. Disposable. Maybe yeah. even to boil it down. But it's yeah.
0: Right. However, so,
1: yeah, there could be some other symbolic significance to the straw dog in a ceremony. Symbolism probably. in the Tao, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> I meant in the whatever form of worship use this uh, straw dog perhaps it had some other yeah. more specific meaning that had a more specific reference here but I think for my purpose the disposable thing was close <coughs> enough. Yeah. The thing that's kind of pretty and serves a purpose and then you toss it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's...
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: The first two lines aren't challenging at all, right? That's That seems pretty, pretty much uncontroversial and
0: really uncontroverted, I mean... Heaven and Earth are not humane, okay? They regard the thousand things as straw dogs. And taking heaven not in the sense of some spiritual
1: place, but in the sense of the skies. So basically this just goes back to the idea of nature. Nature
0: doesn't give a shit about what's going on in nature. Well, or the ten thousand things are of humanity. And so they're transient, disposable... Yeah, of no consequence, really. But they are—they do exist, and they do stand and symbolize something. Well, yeah, the straw dogs exist and symbolize something. Well, and so, you know, the ten thousand things—they have an importance. They have an just, importance, but it's transitory. It's impermanent. It's disposable. And certainly, the heaven and earth, heavens and earth,
1: don't give a shit about them because they don't care about anything. At least that was my take on it. Heaven and earth just right. doesn't really doesn't have a consciousness, basically. It doesn't have a purposefulness like we do. Uh, I I, I guess I'm overstating the case, because there's a purpose to it, but it's kind of got a random element to it and it doesn't matter which outcome happens. Nature itself just keeps going on.
0: Yeah, well, that, you know, the 10,000 things are there when they're needed, when they serve a purpose, But otherwise, you know, it's just so much unimportant stuff. So the the sage is not humane. That's a much more challenging couplet. Yeah, so the sage is the guy who earlier (laughs) had a lot to say. Therefore... Uh, it was in, in chapter 3, Therefore, in the government of the sage, he empties their minds and fills their bellies to so the government of the sage. So, in, in that sense, he was a, a public official, a leader. But, there again, he was arbitrary in that chapter, and he's arbitrary here again, too. The sage is not humane. well I don't think that's arbitrary I mean he's purposeful he's just
1: purposeful in a way that doesn't seem very very nice to us modern people yeah he's emptying minds and filling bellies that's a purposeful thing I think or maybe it's just a do you see that as something
0: other than purposeful like as kind of just a consequence of the way he is well not not no not that it's not purposeful but that he's arbitrary in in the, the sense that he goes about his business without getting into the minutiae of individual people. Okay. You know, and so, you know, a lot of times, either the sage or the leader, if they're being used interchangeable here, um, does what they have to do. Hey, all right. Thank you. We're about to get really interesting now. Yes. Mocha with comb on top.
1: suckers <coughs> Well, anyway, the sage seems like a real son of a bitch. Maybe Trump is a sage.
0: <laughs> no, I think there's something about sages having wisdom and whatnot. Oh, so, well, uh, yeah, that would uh.
1: So why would he treat or regard common people a straw dogs. First of all, what are common people? Are they the Trump support? Are they, you know, the masses, Maybe just the kind of foolish masses? I'll try to stay out of politics here.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it doesn't distinguish between common people as followers of the Tao or not followers of the Tao. And obviously, they're not to the level of a sage.
1: I wonder if there are other people other than sages and common people. In other words, how broad is common people? Is it intended to convey something beyond? Do you, do you think something beyond everybody who's not a sage?
0: Yeah, I think I think that is kind of what they're talking about here because it occurs to me that regards the people as straw dogs, which means they, uh, you know, are a placeholder for something. know
1: they are well either they are that or he regards them as that doesn't necessarily I mean you know you can start to talk about the essence of people and who decides what they really are in the sages mind they're straw dogs they can be tossed out
0: apparently or 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 like chess pieces there again it's it's not treating them as individuals but as as a having a function, having a, symbol, a function, a symbolic function or a, an actual function, but he treats them as if their function is symbolic. And also, the function
1: isn't dependent on the qualities of the individual. It can't be if they're straw dogs. I would say they have, yeah. you, know, you have to sort of look at people as being somewhat interchangeable. Yeah. You know, you can specialize people so that they're really good at picking up garbage, or they're really good at picking rice, or whatever. but some other guy could pick the rice if you start them early enough. That kind of idea. like, right?
0: Yeah. Okay, what are the other, let me read another translation here. That's a really challenging one for me. Yeah. All well, these eight translations, the one that's usually longest is the Whaley one, but this is just almost the same. Heaven and earth are ruthless. To them the 10,000 kings of the straw dogs. Sage 2 is ruthless. To him, people are but as straw dogs. He's not humane is in our translation, and the other translation is yeah, ruthless. Ruthless, it's And another translation, unkind. Uh, oh, here's a different one now. Uh, they, uh, the wise are impartial, they see the people as straw dogs. Okay. That's kind of what I was thinking of. is impartial, you know, as you know, not when you see see the the common people, the others. (laughs) You know, you think you you view them impartially, not with your emotions, and you don't react with emotion, you know, especially if you're having to empty minds and filled bellies you can't be worried about you know individual feelings so it's a little bit difficult to
1: it's very difficult to understand what, a, what the sage is, whether ruler or not ruler without knowing more context about what the sage's role in society was at that time, if any or maybe this is yeah the creation of the sage. I don't know in the in the doubt, maybe that's where the idea of the sage. I mean, I'm sure that people had thoughts of the wise or the you know the philosopher type king or philosopher either way. yeah, before this was written, but um, if you know if this person has a public role, it's very much at odds with everything we believe in Western society. I I mean, impartiality is still, you know, justice is blind sort of thing. There's still that notion of fairness and treating everybody equally. It just takes it to a level that's a little more almost sinister, especially when you hear the translation says ruthless, and this particular translation, Hendricks, using the terminology of not humane, which kind of implies maybe not evil, but at least more than just kind of a benign indifference.
0: Well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of an assumption, I think. Well, to me, being not humane implies that you would be uncaring, maybe. Well, I think not humane and inhumane are two different things. Yeah, yeah. Because inhumane is cruelty and, and, and all of that. But not humane, especially in light of the other translations, is just being objective. The sage is not humane, he is objective, is the way I picture it. That's a
1: very benevolent way of picturing (laughs) it. Well. And that's what the one translation pictured it the same way, right? Because they they said impartial, I think. So anyway, Mm -hmm. the definition of humane having or showing compassion, or benevolence. Yeah, yeah. So showing no compassion, to me, implies a lack of compassion or showing no
0: compassion implies a lack of caring. That's kind of what I was trying to get yeah. to. Well, you know, if, if they're using, you know, sage here as a leader, as in a, like a, you know, a leader of a, of, you know, of a government body or something. Um, you know, then of course leaders have to be objective and and not compassionate in some ways. Well, sure, that's right. Sometimes you have to sacrifice other people's lives. Yeah, you have to think of the the, the greater good as opposed to the individual good and regards them, regards the common people as straw dogs. He didn't say that they are straw dogs. He just regards them as such so that his mind isn't cluttered with, with all this compassion garbage <laughs> right <laughs> I mean that's just my interpretation you could be right it could be a little more
1: sinister than that well just the, word, the use of the term ruthless implies a much more sinister type of personality but, I, but it, yeah I, I understand what you're saying and yeah I think you can kind of balance it where well, the, what, the not yeah. main part simply means what you're talking about more like detached
0: yeah, yeah. Might be another even nobody even used that word in their translation. No. Yeah, they all use the word sage, and they all use the word the term straw dog. But uh, so anyway, um, well, no, in that one translation, it was not the sage; it was the wise. Right. Which is a little confusing because who are these wise people? Sages. Yeah, but but it kind of understand my idea that, there, that the sage here is really some sort of a leader. Well, I don't know if, I, I mean, I would, I would suppose that a sage could
1: take on different roles in society. I'm not sure that he or she would have to be necessarily political leader. Yeah. You would think that people would follow a sage just because yeah. some people are smart enough to recognize one when they see one. Maybe not everybody, not the common people maybe, but there's going to be some people that are wise enough to know, hey, this guy's got something. Well, yeah, I guess but a lot Actually, of... it seems like they're be leaders of some sort.
0: Yeah, well, uh, you know, well, yeah. Or, or, yeah, a person that you look up to for wisdom and... I meant it in that sense. Yeah, right. Not okay.
1: necessarily in any formal kind of leadership role or that somebody that
0: people depend on for advice or... Well, there again, say, you know, it's like... Mm, medical doctor, you go to them for their, their advice and whatnot, and you don't want them to be too compassionate to your complaints. You want them to be, remain objective. You know, even though they may tell you what you don't want to hear. Sure. Because too much compassion would mean that they would then end up hiding things from you. Right. Which doctors do all the time anyway, but <laughs> I'm not sure what their reasoning is. Uh, I think that varies. It's not because they're sages. Well, sometimes it's... Yes, it's... Uh, what is the... They're afraid of litigation term. Oh. Yeah. But... gun uh, shy Yeah. Or other other terms
1: like that. Yeah, I guess the Second Amendment is off bounds now, too. But <laughs> Shouldn't talk about guns. But anyway, oh, yeah. the
0: sage. Yeah. So... We're a little vague on exactly who this is and whatnot, and uh, regards the common people as straw dogs, which is weird because the heaven and earth regard the ten thousand things as straw dogs. Right. They're just they're just kind of there, and so people are just kind of there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we go to the second. Uh, paragraph or stanzas. The space between heaven and earth. Is it not like a bellow? Hmm. Bellow, bellow, bellow. Must have been one of the original uh, little icogram things. Must have been a picture of a bellow because they all have it. Uh, The space between heavens and earth is like bellows and pipes. (laughs) <laughs> okay. I wonder what happened to the pipes. Well, I, I think... well, Or it could just be a literal thing. Is that the space between heaven and earth expands and contracts depending on who you are, where you are, when you are. But for the most part, it's empty yet not depleted. Right, because when it's open, it's got all that air in it.
1: And then it blows out, which is... Something functional that it does with nothing.
0: Right. Move it, and, more always and of course, this out. is you know thousands of years before they anybody came up with the idea between the difference between solids and gases and whatnot. Everything basically was considered the same as a solid, even air. So, the ether, oh, ether, yeah. The Greek. <laughs> well, this is probably even before the ether. Yeah, probably, but you know, yeah. The space between heaven and earth is it not liquid, fellow? Uh, what is that what is the space between heaven and earth? Is that where we live? Is yeah. that us? I mean, yeah, well or is it literally between the ground and whatever's above the clouds. So it's empty yeah. and yet not depleted. That's another one of those kind of clever well, Yeah. Well it mo- well air moves through it, you know wind, like a bellows. Um
1: Right, but if you if you what else could be empty without being depleted? Is that well that you know now actually that could be kind of a essential point of all of this of all of Taoism right of the Tao Te Ching is that yeah well, that was the way what? to get wisdom is to become empty
0: oh yeah well, yeah well is that a Buddhist thing I don't know uh, but well, there, there was a similar one last week about this sage dwells in non-active
1: affairs and practices the wordless teaching. That's from chapter two. That seems to kind of dovetail with emptiness that's not depleted. Right. Oh, by the way, that's another thing. That's the other the third reference to the sage that we come across. Yeah. But at any rate, the empty doesn't. That's not a bad thing, right? It's yeah. Actually, what you strive for to be empty but not depleted.
0: Yeah. Well, and they're talking about the Tao itself. You know that in an earlier chapter, it can you can use it and use it, but it's never depleted. Right. But it isn't. But it, other times it's just not there. But it is there. <laughs> so this may be a reference to that kind of a empty yet not depleted.
1: Yeah. It seems like it does similar to another or very very similar passage
0: that we read. So the purpose of this chapter... In chapter 4 the way is yeah, empty yet when you use it you never need to fill it again. Right and so this chapter may be drawing a comparison between the practical, the heaven and earth and what was in chapter 4 which was more theoretical you know metaphysical even I
1: wonder how important the next line of that section is where it says move it and more always comes out move, is, mo, is motion or, or movement move. important or is it just because he's using the example of the bellows
0: yeah move the bellows and more always comes out
1: it's probably just a physical thing associated with the bellows and not necessarily meant to be a
0: direct analogy or or just a repeating of the line before it and just in a different way well, I was focusing more on the
1: move-it part, like, is motion, is always moving an important part of making sure that you're empty and not depleted. Empty yet not depleted. Yeah, so, so I was kind of wondering what is it,
0: it, s- it is. Well, the bellows.
1: Well, yeah. If you move the arms of the bellows.
0: Or the you know, space. between. well, there again, the space between, and then, and then and the little mark there... It is not is it not like a bellow? So it's talking about it as the space. Okay. It is empty yet not depleted. It move it and more always comes out. So it could be talking about the space between heaven and earth. That's
1: yeah, that's kind of what I was asking. If this move it is more related to a bellows or is it more related to the lesson in life? Yeah. And when you say move it, what, does that apply to individuals? Like, Does that apply to the sage? Or is that more... Move it. And more always comes out. nature works.
0: I think this whole thing is just a big description of nature. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I would agree with that. Uh, but, you know, I guess kind of a... You know, the there's heaven and earth and the 10,000 things and the, the way and the sage and the sage and you gotta and so you know 81 chapters to try to sort it all out and put it in in some sort of useful perspective I guess so anyway the space so the space between now if, if the space between is a bellows and it can be empty yet not depleted You can move it and always and more comes out More what comes out
1: well if you're talking about the bellow then it's more air right so if you're talking about the space between heaven and earth first of all what is moving it and
0: secondly what is the stuff that comes
1: out well well,
0: well before they invented the concept of ether as we were saying before they didn't have a concept for what air was. I mean, you could feel it in the wind. Something's coming out of the bellow, though. Yeah. You could feel it in your hand. Yeah. But for it to, you know, even, you know, rate being called it, <laughs> it, you know, has to have some sort of value. Um, space between heaven and
1: earth, is it not like a bellow? What do you mean it has to have some value?
0: Well, if there's... You know... What's the thing... uh, There was a time a couple thousand years ago before the Arabs invented zero. And so, zero was not a concept that most people understood. And uh, what is it? Up until Moby Dick color blue was almost never in literature at all and so one assumes that blue existed but it just didn't have any awareness of it so I'm thinking you know air was, was kind of a thing that was so ubiquitous that nobody really thought to define it or put a value by it or, or anything you know even though you can feel it when there's a wind you know, the rest of the time, it's just sort of there. Right. Like be and, cold. You know, and hot. a lot of times, the wind was characterized as, you know, some sort of a god or, you know, mystical thing. Blowing. You know, because like there was nothing before, and now there's something. It's pressing on me. You know? Is it that damn bellows? <laughs> you can create one with a bellows. You can Whatever this thing is, you can create it with a bellows. Hmm. Okay, if we go back to a more literal thing, though, uh, so it's empty yet not depleted. Move it, and always more comes out. So that goes back to the same thing of of uh, the the previous chapter, or the thing that you know that we hear these days that the more love you give, the more you have to give. There you go. And uh, so, like an abyss. Yeah. no matter how far you fall down the abyss, you could still fall more. (laughs) The pessimist's guide to the Tao Te Ching. (laughs) Yeah, somebody was typing something about the abyss yesterday. And was saying, yes. Something about if you look into the abyss, and it can look back at you and so I was saying yes the same thing can be said for an abscess (laughs) but you really should have a doctor look into that for you yeah especially if
1: he starts looking back at you yes right because it has eyes
0: I know. I've seen that on TV yes well yeah it's not a pleasant thought (laughs) yeah um okay so if we go to the next line
1: yeah with all the difficulty I had getting through this chapter the last two (laughs) lines were even more difficult
0: Yes, much much learning means frequent exhaustions. Yes, there is probably something you could say about Trump followers that get (laughs) exhausted too easily. Um but yes, let's just keep it out of that because this will be on the internet forever, but the election will be over in four months, all right. Um
1: so much learning means frequent exhaustions. I guess it's not that difficult. I mean, and then that's not so good as holding on to the mean. Some of the translations use the term void. Right. This is one that seems like the translators had some difficulty with. But if you just look at it as much learning means frequent exhaustions, then you don't you try you don't try so hard. You no, let it come to you. I think.
0: It's, no amount of words can fathom it. Better look for it within you. That's way different. Yeah, that's way different. Well, I'm thinking... ...much learning means frequent exhaustions. It's not so good as holding on to the main. Well, okay, so... So learning is hard. And, you know, learning... You know, learning... Book learning is hard enough. But real learning in everyday life is even harder because you generally end up losing when you learn the most, you know. Learning I mean, when you lose Lessons the most. of life. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's true. Oh, I won't do that again. I sure learned my lesson.
1: Put your hand on a hot stove.
0: Yes, exactly. So, so you go through... And so, so, you know, learning is not just a process of memorization or theoretical learning like in a classroom. You know, until you have the practical component, learning is... Kind of an abstract, and sort. You know, so that each step of that can be exhausting, if it's worth knowing at all, right? So, so that's not so good as holding on to the mean. So the mean being, and then these other translations, they call it the center or um, something else. Oh, look for it within you.
1: Oh, the other one they call it the void.
0: Yeah, they call it the void, the center. Yeah, the void is kind of a different concept. But the mean, the center. I'm okay. Now another one here goes: uh, the more it is worked, the more it brings forth. It doesn't talk about learning at all.
1: That's
0: it. No. Uh, oh. Okay. And, uh, okay. The more it is worked, the more it brings forth. Okay, that's the line before. Sorry. By many words. Is wit exhausted. Rather therefore hold to the core. Yeah, I think this must be a tough one for
1: anybody to figure yeah. out. So I don't I feel like now we're in better company. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right. The translators who have probably spent, you know, years studying this damn thing and they're reading it and trying to figure out the hell it means.
0: Right. I feel so, a little less stupid. Right. Well <laughs> it's not so good as holding on to the mean. Well, but but in, but in the simplest sense, like I was saying, learning is hard. You go through steps, but if you just don't learn, or not 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 aggressively don't learn, but just stay where you are and you hold your center, then that's easier.
1: It sort of harkens back for me to chapter two where the okay. stage again dwells in non-active affairs and practices the word his teaching doesn't react on their behalf of the 10,000 things but he doesn't make them dependent accomplishes his tasks and doesn't dwell on them it's sort of that
0: yeah I don't know middle way or right well it is a return of the middle way idea yeah the mutual following the front and the back these are all constants so, and so, holding on to your mean is, you know, your constant. Now, a lot of times, learning involves risk. Well, now,
1: uh, you're talking about a certain kind of learning. All right. You're talking about learning kind of the certain life lessons. Yeah. But I, but I don't know if that brings the wisdom of the sage, or of the, of the person who knows how to follow the Tao, that yeah. type of learning that you're talking about—it's like a different an, type of learning. It's like learning not to learn almost, or learning to right. just kind of let the lessons come to you in a in a natural way or something. I, I don't know exactly if I'm expressing that properly, but instead of actively seeking it out, you just kind of let it happen and you'll
0: feel it. Or holding so on to the mean, or the mean, the mean in this situation could just be what you already know. It could be, you know. Yeah, what is, I mean,
1: literally, the mean is like the average, usually, isn't it, or the, or
0: yeah, what? Well, and the other ones they call it center, and the other one, and or or core. Hold fast to the center.
1: I wonder, like, how much of these translations depends on some bias of the translator, some preconception or bias or life view that they have. Right.
0: Well. Well, you know, uh, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, well, if you've ever taken a college course and you learned that, that one hard lesson of going to college to answer the question that the professor thinks is right, not what is right, right. or, you know, objectively right. True. You know, so, yeah, wise True. people are, are, you know, often everything, <laughs> sometimes everything they, they say or think seems to be colored by their own view. Well, that's a good point. That's a good way, a good comparison because, yeah, I've taken classes
1: from professors who have very strong points of view, and so they teach the class differently as a result. So, I'm right. sure the same thing happens in these translations, which then makes you wonder. You know, I, I, I have a kind of a natural bias toward more modern translations of yeah, yeah. certain things just because I feel like people know more now, which is probably completely screwed up thought, but, well, well, but there's a there second thing, so there you is can
0: put them into our cultural con- yeah, context. Context. Yeah, right, Well, and also, they're speaking from a, a set of knowledge similar to the set of knowledge you already have. You know, they have common experience, you know, this guy that wrote this in 89, Hendrix, you know, his experience of the world is very similar to ours. Right. And right, so sure. his references and his way of thinking, you know, and he's an American, um, would be similar. And strangely enough, that's what the last two sentences here are about. If if, okay, if you hold on to the mean, which is what's already familiar, what you already know, it, you know, it, isn't it better to, you know, understand things from that perspective? Much learning means frequent exhaustions. Not any learning, not a little bit of learning, much learning, and so, and it doesn't say not to do it. It just says that <laughs> isn't just going from what you using what you know, building on what you already know, or using what you already know as reference, just better. Let's see what others call it. And then again, going back to the point that we've made
1: probably every week, the just the cultural context in which this was originally written how much of it is un- kind of untranslatable. Because there are concept- I mean, there, you know, I've, I've done more reading of the Greeks, and I can't think of a specific example, but I know I've read things from Greek philosophers that, to a modern reader, just absolutely don't make any sense because right. the concepts are so different then that you can't right. really even integrate the idea into what we think now. Right. I mean, it's almost like trying to talk to somebody who popped out of the 1400s. As a matter of fact, I heard a really interesting quote this morning that anybody who you know, more than 200 years ago anyone who believed that the earth was not or that our our whole planet was not made by a creator was a moron right but right. now it seems le- a lot less likely in this person's point of view it was right. moron like he didn't call people who believe in a creator of morons now but he did say you know now it's pretty hard to believe that there is a creator that you know made us or whatever and so yeah. it's the same kind of thing if you went back to the 1600s and talked to some guy and said hey hey the, you know there's this thing called evolution yeah, or go back to the 1400s or 1200s before they realized that the earth wasn't the center of the universe and I mean it, even when it happened yeah. um,
0: you know, Galileo there, was there was an old uh, had to renounce that belief yeah. right there, there was an old uh, documentary series and set of books that went with it uh, I want to say the guy's name was James Burke. He was a historian guy, and it was the series was called The Day the Universe Changed. Okay. And he, each episode was about a different time when somebody discovered something, and it changed the universe. Well, like the discovery oh, okay. of air was one of them. Interesting. Um, and, it yeah, it changed everybody's concept of everything. Yeah, the whole thing about the, the Earth not being the center of the universe. Right. And um, And evolution, obviously, that would be a huge one. Yeah. And gravity. uh, But it, it was weird, though. He did another one, too, called Connections, where one discovery that, you know, may have... I don't even remember. There was one discovery of vulcanizing rubber was one of them. And it was like one part of a chain of events that ended up changing, you know, human existence because of, you know, inventions that one... Let to another to another cool yeah it was very cool there's that um, nice. some of them are still on there's that one website that is just doc- old documentaries oh and yeah uh, I think I've seen it before yeah it's been and, a long time, uh, time
1: since I've been on there
0: right and uh, they had cool. James, James yeah. Burke on there so it's
1: I almost get a sense of futility like trying to figure out or try you know trying to make sense of this in a modern context, I guess. Sometimes it feels like a,
0: almost a meaningless exercise. I I, I suppose it's,
1: you know, like any, I don't want to use the term sacred in too much of a literal sense, but like any sacred text, it can still have meaning. I mean, you know, the Constitution still has meaning 200 years later, even though the cultural context has changed enormously people figure out how to make it work so I guess it's kind of the same thing with the Tao you find the wisdom in it that you want to find in it but how much of that wisdom really is what the author intended in his own context I wonder well you
0: know um,
1: and then maybe what you say what you were saying about these last two lines is all I need to answer that
0: question <laughs> right yeah Hold so on to the mean yeah you know yeah and yeah yeah and so, yeah, yeah. Fi- I, I don't know, finding... Well, like you were saying before, this is about nature. And so nature still exists, and we're still part of nature. And, and so these things apply to us in a basic way, whether we live them or not. And so, if nothing else, it gives you perspective on where and who you are now, even if you don't use any of this. Because it does speak to the basic nature of things and people. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously the stuff about it's empty yet not depleted. Well, you know, that's a theme that you see over and over right. in, in, in nature a lot of times or in the way people talk. Um, well, and that, that part of it, like,
1: for me, the more difficult parts are like the sage is not, you know, when they talk about the sage or talk about maybe... Maybe that's the part that bothers me the most, is when they start talking about the individual's relationship to his his or her society. Right. Which, to me, probably is, the big, you know, that's probably been the biggest change in, in, in social structure compared to China. Because like you said, nature is still nature, even though we've kind of messed with it, tweaked it, and done nasty things to it in some ways. Yeah. At its basic root, it's still the same. You go to a forest, it's going to look the same way it did 2,000 years ago. Right. Some forests.
0: There's some of them, and there'll be a parking lot there. Right. Well, and the human experience of learning, even though it's different now, you know, or there's much more to it now than back then, you know, because you got to... It's, it's hard to say what they really mean by learning here, but... Um, because um, well in one of these it's called just called wit or speech leads inevitably to silence okay (laughs) Uh, yeah that seems a little
1: bit different from much learning means frequent exhaustion right although there is the idea of action and inaction in the same sentence right action leading to inaction in a sense because exhaustion is inevitably going to lead to some inaction right
0: well and learning or speaking for its own sake yeah inevitably leads to silence because you're going to run out of things to say or you know it's something you work at so you're going to become exhausted at some point um maybe it's just a simple observation (laughs) oh yeah if you do stuff you're going to get tired
1: (laughs) Well, no, because he's certainly... Well, I was going to say he's definitely talking about a specific thing, learning, but you don't know if he is or isn't. Right. there's so many translations that use different interpretations of that particular word. And what are, are there other words used to translate that?
0: Much talk. talk. Well, of course, come to a dead end.
1: That's yeah. a different notion. Yeah,
0: perhaps. it I seems mean, it, like. Because silence and dead ends could
1: be two different things. It could. Much right. talk could lead to... A wall of unknowingness—like what came before the beginning—you know, you ask that question and you're gonna hit a, de- a brick wall pretty quickly. We just can't conceive yeah. of that. Yeah. What do the other translations say? The other? Uh, much learning. Um, learning. You get learning with
0: talking and speech. Whereas the force of words is soon spent, far better to keep what is in the heart. Ooh, that's (laughs) even different. Wow. Say that again. I like that one. Whereas the force of words is soon spent, far better to keep what is in the heart. That's kind of a cool sentiment. Yeah. Yeah, Whaley is a good one. It's, it's
1: almost poetic and, and right. kind of interesting to take all these translations and just pick your favorite sentence out of them and put them all together. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's so different. It's just, yeah, it, it bothers me to think that, you know, different scholarly people who right. are supposed to know this shit can come up with such different conceptions of it.
0: And, right. And even though it's, you know, it's just a whole series of these simple little, you know, it's not the biggest, well, I think most of the people that follow the Tao do it as a philosophy, not as a religion. Okay. But there are, you know, millions of people that do follow it as a religion, but it's still not one of the top ten, I don't think. Well, maybe it's in the top ten, but, you know, you got... At the bottom. You know, I think, at least in the U.S. these days, you got the sort of atheist agnostic sort of non-religious people that are half the population. You know, and then it breaks down to Protestant, Catholic, Muslim. Yeah, actually, Muslim is the,
1: uh, after Christianity, Muslim is now the second largest religion, and then Judaism is the third in the US, I know that. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know if Taoism. you know, if you look at a list of popularity of different religions, how would you break down what's Tao and what's—I mean, what's religion and what's philosophy? Like yeah. Buddhism, right? It's the same kind of thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and you know, you're not going to get any stirring sermons from either Taoism or Buddhism. <laughs> you know, it's just you yeah. know, it's all sort of calm and on the on the mean. It's lots of questions. Yeah. So that you can figure it out on your own. So the force of words is soon spent. Far better to keep what is in the heart. If you interpret that as being very similar to these other ones, though, you can talk and talk and talk, but you're going to tire yourself out. Far better to keep what is in the heart, which is what you already know as fact, as opposed to learning, I guess. Well, it implies something beyond just the
1: mind, though. Right to use the word heart, so it's almost like
0: uh, there's some core of that, that things that are important to, to yourself. Okay, here's one that's even differenter, because it, the talkative reach their wits end again and again. <laughs> that is not as good as keeping centered. So this is just totally ragging on people that talk too much. That's
1: all he's doing. Maybe he's just like sitting around trying to think and there's a bunch of people talking around him. While he's writing, he's like, God damn it. Shut up,
0: I'm trying to think here. People
1: who talk too much just drive everybody else crazy.
0: But of course that is almost something you can relate to because you do know people that talk too much. You know, like that lady you were talking about, talks and talks but doesn't really say anything. Right. And it gets exhausting to listen to her. And at the same, but at the same time, you want to just keep your own center especially around people like that, that, that talk too much. There's like a static electricity around them kind of, yeah. and they're, t- you know, but it's irritating.
1: <laughs> there are those type of people. Right. Maybe it's as simple as that, but it does not at all uh,
0: sound anything like what Hendrix is saying. Much learning means frequent exhaustion. Okay, now this one is even more succinct. More words, count less. Hold fast yeah. to the center. What's the last line? Hold fast to the center. Hold fast to the center. More words, count less.
1: So if they're talking about holding to the center or to the core, to the base, whatever. Yeah. And it, has some, it seems like the, the talking part is more the sentiment here than the learning. I, I don't know why Henris would use that learning. Right. Trans- uh, translate the, whatever the character was as learning Where everybody else is basically saying It's talking or speaking Right uh, And that kind of makes a lot of sense If you're, you know It's it's kind of like, goes back to one o- another thing we were talking about If you're really Kind of superior to everyone else yeah. You typically won't let anybody else know that If you really have right. a lot more money than everyone else you, then Probably a lot of people won't even know that if you right. really are wiser than everybody else, there's probably a lot of people that don't even know that because you're not talking about it all the time. You're not trying to expound and tell everybody, show everybody how wise you are. The ones who are doing that are the ones who are really kind of the yeah, well, mediocre or you know, yeah. egotistical people.
0: Yeah. Well, there, there's yeah. I, what comes to mind immediately there are two different ways of using too many words. One is you keep you use too many words because you're grasping you're grasping for for making a point or you know for explaining something and you keep kind of going over it and over it with too many words and the other kind is the insecure person that kind of puts up a wall of words around themselves, and they just keep coming and so you can't get through to them and they're really not saying anything and, yeah, they're not, yeah they're just trying to protect themselves right Went fast to the center so well, but
1: then there are also the so called know-it-alls the ones that have an answer to everything that you're talking you know it's like right when you go to lunch and there's the one guy, at least I run across this a lot, the one guy that said, Oh, yeah, I just read about that last night. Oh, yeah, I just saw that on TV last night. And, and then they tell yeah. you. Know, and then I love to fact check those people because they're always wrong. You, <laughs> so it's kind of that point. It's like, if you really know something, you don't have to. You know, it's funny because I went through, I told you about this kind of transformation in my own life where I felt like I learned how to live very yeah. recently, but at some point, before I got that far along, I learned to stop talking about myself, which maybe yeah. I still do it, but I don't, it's not nearly as much as I used to. I right. used to always, when I heard somebody talking about a certain thing, like let's say somebody's talking about a trip they took to London or whatever, yeah. I would always pipe in about, oh, I went to London. Right And it's probably that same kind of insecurity, like, yeah, I did it too. You know, it's kind of, and now I really don't do that very often unless it really moves, you know, Seems to have a place in
0: the conversation. Well, sometimes you can do that, and it uh, it helps you have more rapport with that person. Yeah, that's what I'm sharing. saying. Now, you're now I it a, more,
1: it's yeah. more something I'll do now yeah because I want to try to use it for some purpose instead of just kind of blindly, oh, I this, I that. Uh,
0: what do they call it when you're name dropping?
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, and yeah. I've done that a lot in the past, and. I, now, I feel like, I, you know, I don't really care to, or need to, I, just, uh, doesn't, I mean, I'd rather hear other people.
0: Yeah. Right. I know that, since I've never been anywhere, and I've never met any famous people, I don't uh, do that as much. And I know... Well, you have some great stories, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do have stories. And and I, I do the stories, and then sometimes out of either laziness or, or in, in, in insecurity or, you know, whatever, I will put forward similar ideas that give the impression, at least, that I'm smart, which is kind of lazy because, you know, it kind of locks people off from talking a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, But it it saves me from having to listen to stupid people sometimes. But, you know, it's not fair, and it's, you know, and like I say, it's an insecurity thing sometimes. You know, but other times I think it's just, it's just efficient. Because, you know, people, you know, unless you establish where you are in a sort of a impromptu pecking order, people are going to want to talk down to you and kind of waste your time that way. Um, so yeah
1: all those translations about talking and speaking also another critical point is when you're talking you can't be listening right that's true too I don't they don't really make that point there but it's just something that maybe that's part of the reason why why that advice is given yeah when you're babbling you can't listen to other people babble
0: well it's not as good as holding to this to the mean so yeah so just so I think overall
1: this one in chapter 5 is kind of a little more fractured it's not there's no real a lot of them don't really have a complete theme but some of them are a little more thematic this just seems to kind of jump around a little bit
0: yeah this one um, yeah seems to the first part especially just seems to echo chapter 4 in, in giving giving a different perspective on some of those concepts of all and nothing is the same as you know there's always something but there can be nothing and right. you know that sort of thing right particularly the bellows example uh, and then the bellows thing yeah mm-hmm. is uh, yeah and I think we're we're getting to know the sage a little bit more in this one. Yeah, I still don't I don't like the sage very much. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of bossy. Seems a little bossy. He seems a little full of himself
1: too. (laughs) Odd, I don't know. I mean emptying the bellies is still it's still bothering me, the emptying the bellies and strengthening the bodies and he just wants a bunch of little soldiers or peons and doesn't really give a shit about anybody.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well that you know, that's a you know, a standard paternal sort of a attitude. You know, that there's the alpha, yeah, there's the alpha, right. alpha male that yeah. that's his job, is to run stuff. Yeah. And,
1: and it's still much, much more prevalent idea in Chinese society today. At least from this outsider's point of view. I'm not Chinese, so i don't I've never lived there. But from what I've seen, read, heard about China, it seems like tolerance for the individual is not nearly at the same level as in the United States which isn't necessarily a good thing or a bad thing there's some very good things about it I think I think
0: there's there's some really good things about repression and and uh... well it's like an enforced discipline yeah you get something out of it at the end but it's unpleasant and you know it has an unpleasant aspect sometimes yeah so Um, so if I can make an impromptu summary of chapter 5 we have the two parts where they talk about the heaven and earth are not humane and the sage is not humane the 10,000 things and the common people are straw dogs so I think that's I think that's just setting up a framework or continuing to set up the framework of you know who the sage is and that the heaven and earth is kind of separate from the 10,000 things. And then the second part, with the space between the heaven and earth, is it not like a bellow? And empty be it, not depleted, which is a recurring theme in the other chapters. Um, I'm not sure that the last part about learning and talking. You know, we've we covered a couple of different aspects of how that works, or could work, and I, I think it's a, one of the, the simpler explanations probably what would, the intent was. You know, and that's just my
1: impression. What do you think? Well, I think the last two lines are the most packed. Those are the ones that seem to be to bring out the most discussion and also the most controversy in the translation. So I think they're the most packed with meaning, probably. Right.
0: Okay. what about the first part what do you think
1: well okay so yeah quick summary I would say the heaven and earth not humane <clears throat> to me that's just nature's disregard for things that aren't part of nature yeah and then the sage you know I still am, I struggle with that every time I read about the sage but I think yeah. I, I yeah. like your explanation of that a lot which is it doesn't necessarily it doesn't do him any good to have too much compassion because yeah. then his judgment will be clouded yeah the space between heaven and earth and like a bellow, I think that's just the idea that if you, that you really don't have to work for it, I mean, you, you have to work by not working for it. It's like getting rid of your desire, getting rid of your, and so that emptiness yeah. will fill you basically. Uh-huh. Just like the air fills a bellow.
0: Uh, would it be similar to uh, uh, the, the Christian concept, the lilies of the field, they toil exactly. Yeah. Really? Okay. Something like that. Yeah. Okay.
1: And then the much learning. I think we pretty much exhausted that. <laughs> All right.
0: All right. We will be back next week or whenever. The chapter six. Thanks for tuning in.